Well, greetings and salutations, fellow members of Movie Club. Welcome to the newest meeting of Movie Club. I am, of course, your host for the evening. My name is John Campia. It is great to have you guys here. And we are, of course, here to convene to discuss one of our favorite movies. Uh, that's what we do here. We talk about our favorite movies in the last, like, say, 25 years. Sometimes it's a little bit longer than that. And today, guys, we've got a really good one. We've got maybe, I think it's arguably, one of the greatest comic book films of all time. Today, we are talking about Captain America Civil War. One of the truly great comic movies, certainly one of the absolute best of the MCU movies. One of the biggest casts they've ever had before Infinity War and Endgame came along. And we're going to talk about it here. Joining me, of course, is Mr. Robert Meyer Burnett. Robert, how are you doing today? John, you know, it's always a pleasure doing these with you. I feel that uh, these are very worthwhile and fun, and I, I always learn something, usually from Ray. And, of course, joining <laughs> us also is Ray. Ray, not, Ora, how you doing? Not today. <laughs> not, not, not. Come on, Ray. <laughs> You know, I, I, I keep I, I keep watching you. You're like a flower blooming. The more we talk about movies, the more your intellect wows me. Sometimes it's like an assignment, but this movie wasn't an assignment. It was it was a good. good now, had time. you seen this before? Yeah. Well, I don't know. <laughs> I just thought. I'd yeah. Check. Oh, oh, you mean have I seen it before? The like. Yeah, I've seen it like maybe three times. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. This is this is what we've seen. So here's how today's. Meeting is going to go, guys. Uh, Rob, Ray, and I are going to talk about Civil War here for a little bit to start off with. And then we're going to spend most of the time taking your live comments and questions, observations, thoughts, theories, whatever, about Civil War. Now, I should let you know, for those of you who are watching live, we've already turned off the Super Chats because they filled up really, really fast, <laughs> like a half hour before we started the, wow. the video today. So, And we need time to get through that. So uh, we've already done that. But we will get to all those live questions that you guys sent in here in just a little bit. So, guys, let's talk about Civil War. Now, this is a very loose adaptation of the comic book storyline. The comic book story, of course, very, very different, but still, we have to hear. So what basically kicks this thing off is, is where does the opening scene take place again? Is Legos. It Legos. Oh, well, there's the a scene in the past. Right, you're right. Flashback but, scene. But we get into Legos. They're there. Crossbones makes a great return. We see the the Avengers in operation. By the way, first thing I noticed that stood out to me watching this movie was, wow, they murder a lot of people. <laughs> like the Avengers kill a lot of people. Like it was straight up like with 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 uh, Falcon. He just straight up, you know, he comes in on a guy and he's like, oh, and then he just he blocks one bullet with his wing and then just pulls out his guns. Bang, 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 just shoots the guy dead. You know, Iron Man. You know, realizes, okay, there's a couple guys behind that. Okay, just beep, two rockets fire out, blow both those guys up. I mean, they just have no problem. I I, I have a weird question. I don't know if I watched a different one than you guys, but I went to watch the 4K version on Disney+. Plus. And there's an IMAX version, yeah. But it opened with the Winter Soldier. Well, that is the opening. Scene. Oh, okay, yeah. okay. I just want, I want to make sure I watch the right one. Yeah, the one. flashback. Okay, well, of okay. Course, we're, we're introduced there in the opening scene. Okay, of course, okay. we're. All the catchphrase words. One of my favorite memes of the Will Smith stuff was Chris Rock tells a joke, Will Smith laughs, and then the next picture is of Jada Pinkett Smith looking angry, saying the, the trigger <laughs> words for Winter Soldier, and then the next frame is Will Smith getting up, going over, <laughs> slapping past Chris Rock. I like that a lot. But this is our whole, really, this is the beginning of what's going to eventually fracture them. And of course, it ends in Romolov trying to detonate Scarlet Witch still just known as Wanda, tries her best to move the explosion away, doesn't send it in the right direction, people die, 
which kicks off the whole idea of the Sokovia Accords. Well, we're, we're also introduced to a, a subunit of the Avengers that we've never seen work together with Scarlet, Scarlet Witch, Black Widow, Captain America, and Falcon, right? Just them four? Yeah, well, we hadn't seen like Wanda working with them before no. at, at this point. This is the first time seeing her. And you can tell they're kind of field training her a little bit, too. This is right after Age of Ultron where she's introduced. But what I, like you pointed out, Ray, what I love about this film is it's showing the avengers working with i mean you you you've got you've got uh natasha you've got falcon and you've got steve rogers who are soldiers they work with military precision they're all classically trained military officers with the added benefit of having wanda and they are they're, they're very capable and really good at their jobs and you know john one of the things that i really love about the mcu and specifically in like winter soldier in this film you know, there's a lot of talk about what is a comic book movie. Let's take the comic bookness out of this film. Let's pretend that the the subject matter was not it not derived from a comic. Let's say it was a novel, something like a Tom. This could be a Tom Clancy novel. This right. could be a Hunt for Red October novel, or or it could be like you know a Clear and Present Danger. And it's set in a world that I can believe. It feels like it is our world, which is one of the things I think that the the ongoing appeal of the MCU is that even though you've got all these characters, you know, they're in they're in Lagos, they're 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 going after weapons, they're going after traffickers, they're going after very believable people and they're it's going very, after bioweapons. Bioweapons. And they're it's very grounded in the real world. The physics feel real. There's not a lot of powers on display. There's technology on display. Oh yeah, we got Redbird, the first our we, first that's right, uh, yeah. absolutely, you know, basically a, a, a drone. Right. And and I think one of the one of the great things about and the appeal of this is that you believe it. You know, you buy into the fact that this world is, exists and it, it has real physics. It's got real people that act accordingly. Let me correct myself. Red Wing. Yes. Was it Red yeah, Wing? Red, red, okay, yeah. yeah. Before yeah, anyone said it's Red Wing. All right. So, but we're basically, there's two major things that happen here. So number one, obviously, is the movie is built around a central dilemma, a moral question. Right. Should the Avengers be for lack of a better term puppets of the government should the government give be able to give them their marching orders they can't act unless the government tells them to act they must not go if the government says you can't go all that kind of stuff or do they continue under the autonomy that they have that has led to a lot of uh what's the word residual destruction if you will right and also i mean the ultron situation was essentially created by tony stark and banner with their experimentation and ironically enough not an avenger situation but it was tony stark's yeah like his, I mean, his, kind his of thing idea that, that he thing. wanted to build a, a armor, armor around, around the, world. the world i mean who is by the way who is he i understand where who he is but but his desire to do that affects the entire planet exactly. and if we haven't weighed in if the united nations haven't weighed in or the governments of the world what right and this is why i think the movie's fascinating what right do the avengers what right does stark have to do this who who elected him who is, is he is it the will of the people like we don't know and and i think like you just pointed out that's why this movie is a great film because the question that it asks pertains to our world now exactly yeah, you that's know, what we, i was gonna say we've got stuff going on in ukraine right now does the united nations step in should sweden and finland become part of nato i mean these are questions that are ripped right out of the headlines but in a context of a 
quote unquote comic book movie, which makes it far more relevant. I mean, imagine how this might have been if it was made 30 years before, like in the 90s or something. You wouldn't get this kind of depth out of these situations. I mean, when I picked up the comic book and I read the problem of why the Civil War started and the same thing, this is why this movie the 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 problem in this movie i i think it's a great or like a great idea or whatever it's and called. what's really cool about it is they wrap more than just this great central fundamental dilemma they also wrap into it this incredible mystery about okay well what's what's going on with winter soul did he did he not kill them what's the history of that what's going on behind that what's baron zemo i still think one of the lamest villains ever in the mcu although i thought he was great in the falcon and winter soldier show but but he does succeed. No, the Avengers are back to get back together, and they well, all but survive. Not, and they at, not at the end of the movie, though. I mean, there's that fracture. They momentarily, but I mean, here's the thing. This has always been my thing about Zemo. This is why I always say I think Zemo is the lamest villain they've had in the MCU so far, even though played brilliantly by Daniel Bruhl, and I love the character. I do. <laughs> yeah, and the comics especially the flamboyantness, <laughs> the fur, the purple, the chain. That's why I loved that one episode of Falcon the Winter Soldier when he comes out in the big. Remember the big yeah, winter yeah. in the thing with the uh, the 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 canisters. Um, yeah. I thought that was great, but uh, there's there's a couple fundamental problems. Number one, the 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 issue of Sokovia Accords was coming regardless. Sure, and that was going to divide them regardless now did he help orchestrate what happened in legos yes but there was already a massive laundry list that you know the late great uh, actor playing general thunderbolt ross came in there william hurt william hurt academy award winner he comes in and starts laying out this huge laundry list of the things that have already happened like this is stuff that's already been in the motion so at some point this sokovia accord thing was going to become an issue without without uh zemo and here's the other big thing about it. And I realized this, I think, the second time I saw the movie. Baron Zemo's entire plot revolves around them capturing Bucky, bringing him to one particular facility, and him being able to get in there do that. So many flaws in this. Number one... <laughs> It was a 1% massive stroke of luck that they were even able to capture Bucky. Because number one, what if he had just flat out gotten away? Then his plan's ruined. Number two, what if they did what they were set out to do? To just execute him on sight, which he barely got out of that. That happens, there goes his entire plan. Number three, I'm sorry, at a top functioning government holding place, you don't just get to get in there by getting by one guy at the desk signing okay. Like this doctor they had to go in and talk to him, all he had to do is go by one guy. Oh, yeah, oh yeah you kind of look like him. You're good. I mean, that's ridiculous. It's absolutely preposterous that that was able to happen. Like that suspends all disbelief for any period of time right there. So <laughs> a- anyway, as you go through all well, you this, love the movie, though. <laughs> I do. Well, we love the movie. I'm just saying by this no, no. one point of it, <laughs> that one point of it has been to me. But the other thing that stood out to me is this is that I believe the movie, not only do I, am I team Cap, I believe the movie ultimately says that we're supposed to be team Cap. Because think about this. Throughout the movie, after the battle lines are drawn, the rest of the, the second half of the movie is about Tony eventually realizing that Cap was right the whole time. Because first, he has this conversation with Spider-Man. By the way, we'll talk about the introduction of Spider-Man and Black Panther in a second. 
he has a conversation with Spider-Man, and in his room he goes, you know, so why do you do it? He goes, because if something, if you have that power and something happens and you didn't do anything about it, that's on you. And you could see for a moment that the camera does this great, the Russos get this great camera shot of Tony's face where you can see he's completely reflecting upon, because that's essentially what Cap has been saying the whole time. And then by the end, remember, Tony's side on this is that we need to be submitted to the government. The government needs to give us our marching orders. We got to do what they tell us and not do what they tell us not to do. But when he goes to visit the raft, he completely does a 360 or a 180, I should say. He doesn't do what Ross told him to do. He lies to Ross and decides, I'm just going to go out on my own because I believe as a hero and as a friend, I need to go out to Siberia or whatever country it was. I need to go do this, which is completely in line with what Cap's philosophy was and completely against what the other side's philosophy was of saying, no, 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 we got to follow our oversight. We got to do what we're told, blah, blah, blah. So my whole thing is by the end of this thing, even Tony realizes that Cap was right. Well, So, I mean, that's the one way of looking at it. I mean, what's really interesting, too, is like, look, you've got Hawkeye, Black Widow, Winter Soldier, Steve Rogers, they're all ex-military. They were all following the chain of command, and yet it's them that don't want to submit to the power of, yeah. of the government. Yeah. And and it's it's I, I found that very you know, that's very interesting. And that, and then we're also dealing with the ramifications. Other, other than Rhodey. Other than Rhodey. Well, right, yeah, other than Rhodey. But but Rhodey was Stark's friend anyway, so even though he's Good part point. of the chain of command. But what I found really interesting is a lot of what's going on in this movie, you've got Black Panther and you've got Zemo. These are all people, Zemo is dealing with the fallout of what happened because of the Avengers' actions in Age of Ultron. You've got Black Panther and Wakanda. His father, T'Chaka, is killed, you know, by whatever's going on in, quote-unquote, the real world. Again, T'Chaka is, is, the, the, is a casualty of a battle that Wakanda is not in the middle of, you know, and so real-world politics is out of control. And, and who... Who is who is beholden to whom in this movie? And like, why shouldn't Black Panther avenge his father's death? Why shouldn't Wakanda get involved in real world politics if their leader is assassinated when 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 making a a, a speech at in the United Nations or wherever? I mean, there's all of these really interesting questions about how does power how is power distributed throughout. Politics, how is it distributed through countries? How is it distributed through the Avengers themselves and the agencies they deal with? All of this stuff makes this film incredibly compelling on a number of different levels. And it's asking you moral and ethical questions about governance and about policing, about all kinds of things. Now, it doesn't come out and tell you this and bang you over the head with it, but it's definitely a part of the story. And the script, this movie, along with Winter Soldier, has a lot going on that I think a lot of people poo-poo like, well, I don't watch comic book movies. Well... This film, all you had to do is, as I said, this could be a Tom Clancy thriller, the way it's written. And then everybody would say, what a great thriller this movie is. The the conflict in this movie, I saw it a little bit differently. Not as like um, strict as I sounds like uh, John was saying, like about how you like um, puppets or whatever of the government. I always thought of it as, a, yeah, if we have a problem, you have to go about things, but just within our rules of, of combat. 
Like you have to watch for certain things. But that's you can't let the these things happen. Like Steve said in the beginning, where the talking around goes, they we don't get to go act unless they tell us we can. Right. And what if they send us in to do something we don't want to but, do because but, governments have agendas? Right, right. In the in a way, I, I, I didn't see I I'm probably gonna get really um but I didn't see that as being that bad, you know? Like if there's a, some sort of like control like some right? strategy, if there's some strategy and control that makes sure people still live. And that everything's done the safest way if we have to go to war. But then, that's the then, point Tony made. Yeah. Like, like Tony, the one part, like, I, I as a viewer, too, because I'm, I'm team cap, but Tony brings up this great point, and, and so does General Ross. You can't, like, you're the Avengers, but you act with absolute authority and absolute autonomy. You violate international borders. You do what you have, and you have no accountability and you have no oversight. And people like, died on their watch. Yes. Because I mean, of Ultron. Less than would have, but well, yeah. Well, sure, but what happened with Sokovia and the fact that Ultron took over? I mean, this is all because Tony's out willy-nilly deciding he's going to put an armor around the whole world. He's making a unilateral decision about how I think the world should be. Do I, you think it's fair to say that his decision to sign the Sokovia Accords wasn't about that he really felt that's what the Avengers needed to do, but it's more that he felt like he needed oversight 100%. and it was all motivated out of his guilt. I, uh, John, that is exactly right. I absolutely believe that. I mean, I think you just nailed it because, and you see there's the scene when he's giving the, is that in this movie? He's giving the speech and the woman stops him at the elevator, you know? Yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, about her son. Yeah. About her son. And, and like, so it's, it's, I mean, you see it right there. I mean, he's got guilt over his parents' death. He's got guilt over that. He's got all kinds of guilt, and he's trying to absolve. I mean, he needs absolution because of what happened in, in Age of Ultron was his fault, which, essentially. Which, which you bring up a great scene. Like, I was surprised when I first watched it, the de-aging Tony scene. Oh, that was so... I was like, whoa! Looks so, yeah. yeah. I was like, oh, wow! It, like, reminds me of six... Or what What? What movie was he... I can't remember the name of the movie that he was... Sixteen Candles? Sixteen... Was, was he, he in Sixteen Candles? I don't think it was Sixteen Candles. No, he's But in, it reminded weird, me of he, Sixteen... He's in uh, Not Weird Science. Uh, um, but anyways, it reminded me of one of his turf. older movies. But, um... He yeah, that was tough turf. Yes, he was. That was a... That was a <laughs> surprising, but... It looked really good, that scene. No, and, and, and that scene's a terrific scene. I mean, yeah. again, they show you what you need to know about Tony's relationship with his parents. I mean, these films are... It, that's why it really bothers me when I hear filmmakers that I really admire poo-pooing these films as if they're... These are, these are beautifully crafted, well-thought-out, well-performed, beautifully-made movies. They're, yeah. and, and, and how heartbreaking is it? To, to your point about the layers... How heartbreaking was it, too? I still remember the first time I saw this movie when you realized that what Zemo is listening to on the phone is not a message he just got for his wife. It's the last message he has from his dead wife. Yeah. And he that's the only comfort he gets in life is just re-listening to that thing. Uh, 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 my, my, my wife, your sister. Right. She she still has voice oh, messages. Oh, yeah. I can't. From your dad. Oh. I know, I, 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 but but I mean, like, so so like I see that because I know Anne Anne still keeps the voice message. One day like I that. will listen to that when I better about it. Right, but so I'm watching this in the movie, and I can like I well I totally get that because my wife does that, and then so but these are layers, Rob. That just a, oh, your comic book movies. No, it's they're way more than that. And also look at look at uh, T'Challa is now dealing with T'Chaka's death. So Black Panther and, and Tony Stark 
have something in common you know they they without even realizing it yet and and they're showing this to you as it's unfolding i mean the, the every scene is adding to these layers and it's forcing you like as an audience member i remember when the comic series came out you know which side are you on were you team cap or were you team uh, stark <laughs> and and what was so great about the comic series is as you read along you were constantly shifting at least i was as a reader going Sometimes I was Team Stark, and then other times I'm like, no, I'm Team Rogers. And so this movie does the same kind of thing. As it moves on, you're wondering, well, maybe Tony is right, or no, maybe Cap- you want to go with Captain America, but you're constantly wondering as a viewer, what should I think? It's not telling you what you should think. It's presenting all of these shifting things happening all the time so you as the viewer are constantly engaged by what's going on and you're asking yourself what do i believe like where am i here like for me like um the whole time the only reason why he's on cap side was because he had scarlet witch and that's it because <laughs> I'm, but but their points of views i actually saw both of them like i actually saw both sides of the coin and i really wouldn't know where to go myself if I were in that situation, if I was a hero, like, because I see both sides of the coin, like I would, I would want to be under some sort of organization, like as in being organized and not like having you accountability. Know, yeah. Yeah. And not, not breaking rules of any other. Cause if you're a hero, you assume the whole world is yours, right? With that much power. And then you go over to a different country. You don't realize, Hey, we do things. There's a certain Thing, there's certain rules that each country goes by. That's why we say we're, we're not a democratic country. Yeah. I don't necessarily believe in you. And what another thing they do brilliantly in this movie is we haven't talked about this yet, but one team goes and gets Ant-Man. Another yep. team goes and they gets both staff up, you know, they staff up. And and these characters, they're both enamored, like our new characters, Ant-Man and Spider-Man are enamored of the people that have come to get them. And they're not really part of this ideological discussion yet. They're just like, wow. Okay, I'm sorry, but that that opening scene uh, with Paul Rudd's first scene, ah, Captain America, I shouldn't be shaking your hand like that. I know you too. You're great. <laughs> I mean, it's just what it's like. It's such a great scene because that's us. Right, yes. we're Ant Man. Right, you know. And you know, this is one of my favorite movies, only for one thing: the best action sequence. And All it's not time. which one you're thinking about. Really, it's the stairway sequence. Where they try to get Winter Soldier. Oh, Winter Soldier. Where they go down out. those stairs. Do you? Did you see that accent? It's if amazing. you watch it, it's one of the coolest action sequences. Everything was done right there. Like, oh, like just smashing into the wall, jumping down the flights of stairs. No, it was just really cool. That's like my favorite action sequence in all of the and Marvel movies. And it ends movies. with Captain America, Steve, doing the. Well, Chris Evans has worked really hard on his bicep curls. You better show them off. So he's hanging onto the helicopter with one, which was nothing but a look at my bicep shot, right? Because and all the women and half the men in the audience swoon. But it's also a, it. A, a, it also it's a great comic book. If that was a yes, splash a page in a comic yes. book, that would be great. But you know what? You point out something else, Ray, about the crafting of these films. You know that action sequence. A lot of the time, they do use a lot of previs and they do some of the stuff in advance. But look at the execution. The same way the execution of the fight in Winter Soldier, I mean, in um, and uh, yeah, in Winter Soldier in the elevator. All right, right, right. America's like that's exactly what that remind me of, but it, like longer. Yeah, and these are these are brilliantly executed action sequences. And I'll, I'll tell you something. I would even say that in Phase Four of the MCU, I think people are 
maybe they don't find it as satisfying. Yeah. Because the movies are 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 sort of going backwards in a little bit of a way where this film is is part of a bigger tapestry so we have a lot of emotion going on there's a lot of but th- it's the levels of depth in the film that make it so compelling coming off of winter soldier coming off of age of ultron so we're we're really getting we have really deep multiple layers in what's you know what's a comic book movie Wait, so, so mary correct me if i'm wrong here guys mary in the live chat is saying the scene uh, the helicopter scene. Yeah, was yeah, in it was Winter in Soldier, Winter Soldier. Civil War. It was no, in that Winter was Civil War. No, it was Winter Soldier because he, he had a shirt on. He breaks the, out, right? They they break. Uh, uh, Zemo breaks him out. Stairwell fight, fight in the commissary. He takes out Black Widow and Carter. He almost kills uh, Tony Stark because he had the gun, but they, right. they blocked it with a thing. And then he gets up but, to the roof, gets in the helicopter. Steve tries to stop him. Grabs no, no, no. Him. But remember. Steve, this whole time, he's in his Captain America suit. No, no, because he's still in the prison. He's no, still- no, no, no. This is no. Remember, like, because like, um, um, he's uh, Winter Soldier's trying to escape the room that he's hiding in, right? And he he breaks through the uh the wood floor to get his bag when Steve actually yeah, thinks he's going to hit him. Confirms in the live chat. It's civil war. It, it is civil war yeah. where he's pulling the helicopter. Yeah, where he's, hel- where he's holding on to the helicopter by one hand and the I, building oh, thing by the other hand. Oh, I swear that was Winter Soldier because he had a white yeah. shirt on. But I guess if he you guys the t-shirt because remember his all of his gear has been taken away from him because remember they just got arrested because of the chase in the tunnel with the traffic so their shield his uniform all that was taken okay. away from him so he was in civvy clothes in that scene. Which speaking of Cap America, I want to bring up something. I was watching a bit of it again last night. Theory. Wild theory. Early in the film. In which film? This film? In, in Civil War. In Civil War. Early in the film, after, you know, Ross had just come and said, look, we're going to do the Sokovia Accord things. And then all the Avengers are just left there to dis- discuss amongst themselves. Steve gets a text message. And the text message just says, she's gone. It happened in her sleep. Right? That's it. In big letters from an unknown number from an unknown phone number. Now, a lot of people think and assume that that text message came from Agent Carter. But it didn't. Because when Tony gets to the funeral, number one, he had no idea she was Peggy's niece. And number two, Falcon has to nudge him. He looks up and they see that Sharon's up at the point. He's like, he had no idea she was there. It was totally surprised. So who would have sent Steve Rogers a text to say Peggy's died and, and is so familiar that he didn't even have to say Peggy Carter. Just had to say she's gone. She died in her sleep. I propose this. It was old man Steve Rogers. I'm going to propose the wildest of wild theories that old man Steve Rogers who at the end of Endgame went back in time to be with Peggy and is now in that world and was there the whole time. I think the other Steve might have known about it, but anyway, maybe yes, maybe no, but I think it was old man Steve Rogers that sent the text to this Steve Rogers to let him know that Peggy had died. I have nothing to back that up with, but it's, it's, it's what I got. I don't know. What do you think, Rob? That's pretty interesting. <laughs> Um, that, I uh, know that would, that's, that's definitely interesting because obviously there's a little bit of overlap now that he's come into the modern age. Um, that's fascinating. See, 
Afad Dufri is saying that old man Steve's in a parallel universe. No, he's not. He's in this universe. But yeah, he's in our universe. He's yep, not in the parallel universe. He went over and he was there to meet. He went to the rendezvous spot to meet he, well, where he knew uh, Sam and Bucky would be. He go went there to meet them because he knew that's where they would be. And he got to have his life with Peggy. Oh, no. that No, old man Steve was in our universe. Yes, he was. Six on six the whole time. You know, if you if you guys haven't seen a movie called The Final Countdown from 19, well, I remember that. It's kind of a, spe- but there's a similar there's a similar thing that I I'll bet you a million dollars. You know what, John? Um, I think you could be correct about that. I mean, <laughs> right. but that hadn't happened yet, so they probably left that in as an Easter egg to use to revisit somewhere. And old uh, at the end of Endgame, you might be right about that. As you remember, think is isn't it weird? Because it's the same writers. Yeah, see, it is the same writers. I just thought it's weird. How, how familiar are they just to say she's gone? And there's no name attached on the phone. It's an unknown number. I just I just thought that was interesting. Anyway. Uh, I, I'm sorry. I had to go over, like, because, like, why was this my favorite scene, I was saying? And I'm just rewatching it right now. And there's so many little things in it that oh, make so it the many. best. Like, even one part where this, uh, the one of the SWAT team guys... He's about to fall over and Cap actually saves him from falling all the way to the bottom. Like you still see those little things, those little things where, oh, he's still he, all this heck is going on around him. He still like has but, the frame of mind to save a soldier. But that's why these movies, the the whole MCU is as successful as it is because it's so it's so carefully thought out. And then when Bucky jumps off of the building onto the lower one, that's that shot where he's like like this. Oh, my God. And that's when we first see Black Panther in his suit. Yeah. Which is their confrontation. It's and, such and a again, great sequence. Again, you're introducing in this movie two Marvel characters, legacy characters. Black Panther came out, was created, I first think, appeared in 1966. And then you've got even older Spider-Man. Two big legacy Marvel characters are introduced in this movie. I'm hoping yeah. Doctor Strange, Multiverse of Madness, has one of those for us. At least one. Where they don't show that person in the trailers, but they're gonna be a big deal. And like, oh, I guarantee you, there's like, like, because like Black Panther is one of the characters we didn't get an intro movie for. They no. straight well, shot. This was their sh- intro. Yeah. yeah, yeah, but like not a real like. This is this is Black Panther. He's about to join our universe. You know, like well, there, nothing. He wasn't the advertising. He wasn't. the Yo, Oh yeah, yeah. see the, the advertising. But anybody who just walked into this or whatever, yeah, like without any history on Black Panther, like me. It's like this is the Black Panther that's being introduced to me right now, and from this point forward, is what I'm going to learn about him. Yeah, but again, think about the writing of this film, the 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 juggle the balls that you're juggling in the air, and this film does it effortlessly. I mean, it's doing a heck of a lot all at one time, and you're. Ne- I mean, you know, you always know where you are. You always know where what's happening and who's going what to where and where the where we're at. I mean, this is a dare I say it. A marvel of screenwriting and direction. The Russos did such a good job keeping all these balls in the air, and Marcus and McFeely did such a wonderful job writing the script. I mean, this movie is far better. You know, and the thing, John, the thing about Zemo to me, I mean, I know he's not as flamboyant or colorful a villain, but he I think in terms of his motivation was great. Yeah, absolutely. It was because marvelous. you know, and, and as somebody who who I was raised Jewish, so the question of of the two state solution in Israel is something I've been hearing about my whole life. And you know, you really understand the 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 legacy if people are oppressed and they come from areas where they're deprived or 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 they lose relatives or the, the ongoing 
bloody uh, conflicts that occur. I mean, how many Zemos are there in the world today? We see them everywhere. America comes up against them, and and uh, they're created by us. And and Zemo is essentially a product of what Stark's hubris brought the world. And that in itself is interesting, too. By the way, I wanted to point out a- another little thing that always struck me a little bit wrong. After the, the what I consider to be the greatest action sequence in comic book movie history, the airport scene, because everything that happens in that action sequence is steeped in narrative and story and character background, and there's a richness to it all. But one of the parts that kind of bugs me about it is right at the end of the fight, Vision takes a shot at Falcon. Falcon, who is chasing War Machine and Iron Man, who are chasing Cap. And they say, take out Falcon's jets. Vision looks, takes aims, and fires. And as he fires, Sam notices the shot coming and evades. He dodges. And of course, the shot goes on. Hits Rhodey, Rhodey falls, totally should be dead. There is no explanation in comic book movie in any realm of reality that Rhodey wouldn't have died from the fall. It, do, it, do, it doesn't matter that he's wearing Iron Man. Inertial armor. dampening. Yes. Inertial Even dampening. inertial dampening would have done it. When your body is moving that fast and all of a sudden it comes to a stop, your internal organs are going to turn into soup. So he would be dead. But aside from that is that afterwards at the hospital, Tony says to Vision, how did that happen? And Vision said, I got distracted. I didn't think that was possible. I'm like, wait a minute. He wasn't distracted. He saw the shot. He took the shot. His aim was perfect. It's just that Falcon dodged and it went on and hit him. But yeah, other than the fact that Rhodey should be dead and that he should have just said, hey, what do you want me to do? I aimed perfectly, but he saw it coming and he dodged. I, I, I got to say, I always get a kick out of seeing War Machine suits. Those are like my favorite suits. Just the War Machine. They look beefy. Yeah, they're so beefy. And also like um, going back to Vision, like he was actually holding, um, helping hold Wanda in that compound, right? Right, absolutely. And it kind of reminded me of what what's, was going on, like with the whole story and, and smaller scale. That's that's what Cap thinks being under the government would be like, being in the compound, being watched over the whole time. Well, that's yeah, that's another thing. And, and look at how Wanda's being treated, and Wanda herself, even in Civil War. She also is a victim of what happened in Sokovia, you know, her and and, before that, yeah, a victim of Hydra and a victim of Tony Stark and and a victim of Tony Stark all the way back. And so this legacy of violence and 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 even this goes all the way back to Iron Man one where Stark graphically is it's depicted. He 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 a, a Stark weapon winds up right next to him. You know, he almost gets blown up by his own weaponry. So this ongoing theme that's gone through the entire MCU up to that point is still being repeated. And, and this legacy of violence and 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 warmongering is it has been running through the whole MCU to great effect. Let, let, can we go back to where the the they finally get uh, arrested? Right. right after the chase like the, the, the cool chase tunnel. scene where like uh black panther is like keeping up with captain america oh yeah that was so cool they finally get them right they they surrender and then they're in the they have to give up all their weapons in the the prison or whatever facility yeah, yeah. and so we, we, from there we we get the big argument i sometimes i want to punch you in your silly white in teeth your perfect yeah, teeth. yeah yeah that scene was one of my favorite scenes in all the MCU where it's just now Cap and like, and even though they're like warring, like he mentions, well, me and uh, Pepper are on a break. 
and like cap see with real legitimate empathy tony i'm so sorry like mm. he like like even though all this garbage is going on he's like i i want i feel for you like i like you're going through this personal problem and i, I just lost peggy carter yeah you know i mean and again there's all of these there's all of these exchanges between the characters that was our first hint of a little passive aggression from like an actual action of actually doing something together. I don't know. Before I, that, it was just all jokes. Yeah, you did it. but this one was like, no, I want to punch you in your teeth. Go back to the original Avengers when, like, they're getting in each other's face and Cap says to Iron Man, put on the suit. <gasps> oh, right. Suit. I'm sorry. I completely I mean, forgot they, about they've that. They've always had. And then even in Age of Ultron, when they're on uh, Clint's farm and they're spat oh, back right. and forth. Oh, right. You're right. You're right. You're right. Rips, or not Tony. Uh, Cap grabs a yeah. log and, like, rips the log in half and stuff like that like yeah they're, no but they're he went personal with physical appearance on that one though yeah, yeah, yeah. you know perfect white teeth i still whatever. want to punch you in your perfect right or he says you know uh i'm, I'm happy for your dad i was really goes, oh you knew my dad oh i never knew that he only mentioned it every over their effing day or whatever it was <laughs> I, I love that but that whole thing i only bring that up because we get to the who, who's your guy and then we get to the spider-man introduction which was yeah which is great in the theater as soon as you heard that song come on and it said what did it say on it like uh queens oh yeah queens yeah, yeah. everyone went Woo! Yeah. i didn't i didn't even <laughs> i didn't even expect that part because i was wondering the whole time how are we going to be introduced to spider-man but as soon as it went queens and the crowd erupted i was like Oh well, my and, and God! Introduced the hot Aunt May. Hot, hot Aunt May. But also, let's talk about the fact that I think Tom Holland was perfectly cast. Oh, so when, good. when you meet yeah, him, so I mean, it, the word winsome comes to mind. Oh but, my God! I mean, my God! What what great casting and his relationship. Again, it's almost like a shorthand. The kind of writing when Tony Stark and and uh, Peter Parker start interacting. This is what move. This is why we watch movies like this. It is wildly entertaining between the two of them. And we've never even met Spider Man yet. From not from, this Spider Man. From his voice and just the way he does things, he comes off as a young kid right, in that great. thing. But yet he's polite. He's well bred. He's, he's it's Mister Stark. He's stuttering. He's like, yeah. well, what are you doing here? You know what I mean? <laughs> right. You know what I'm doing here. You, know, <laughs> you signed up for the whatever he's like uh, yeah it's yeah, all yeah. youtube you know they fake all that stuff right and then he pulls the costume out of the top uh, that, I, I mean it was so good yeah that, uh, scene. that whole oh, that whole scene was so great and the the interplay between robert downey jr and tom holland is just how do you not and it continued on to be great after it, this oh, absolutely i mean it's just it's why we go to the movies man you know um, and this is not people take this for granted now this movie it, all of these scenes working together this is very difficult to do oh yeah very it's, difficult to you do. you know a lot of people wondered if winter soldier and we'll, we're gonna have to do winter soldier as one of our movie clubs one of these days but coming out of winter soldier which at the time people a lot of people thought this might be the greatest comic book movie ever made and then civil war came out and they thought well this might be the greatest comic book movie but coming out of civil war there was a question okay was that was that a lucky shot was that a stroke of luck? Is this a one-hit wonder? Are these Russo brothers working in the MCU? Is that was that just a one-hit wonder? And now they're going to flame out. And then they showed nope that their partnership when they work with Kevin Feige, some really really special stuff can happen. And, and Marcus and McFeely, the writers. Yeah, and the yeah, some really really special stuff can happen. And they did a great job. And just a couple quick notes too about the I, I think the greatest action scene ever. Like everything from. 
the Spider-Man v. Captain America fight was great. Spider-Man mm-hmm. v. Winter Soldier and Falcon was great. Uh, everything like Ant-Man, miniature every- Ant-Man fighting Black Widow was great. It's like, I don't want to hurt you. I wouldn't worry about it. <laughs> like that was such a great line. Uh, Black Widow and Clint. Says, Are we still friends? It depends how hard you hit me. I mean, like, oh, or Black Widow. I uh, mean, uh, Clint and uh, Black Panther. I haven't introduced myself oh, yeah, yet. I'm I don't care. I don't care. <laughs> right. that was such a- or even going back before that, like one of the the, the first moment <laughs> of the MCU that really gave us a true glimpse into Wanda Maximoff's power was when she decided, no, I'm not grounded anymore. And she decides she's leaving with Clinton and Vision's like, I can't let you do that. It's like, well, enjoy the 23rd sub-basement. Boom! It's like, (laughs) holy shit. That's Vision she just did that to. And that was our first little glimpse. And what's funny is that she could have done that the whole time. The whole time. She just the whole done that. time. She could have just left that thing if she wanted to. You know? Oh, God. I love this movie so much. Listen, we could sit here and go on all day about all of our favorite parts and everything about it. But we're now going to take the rest of our time going over and hearing from you guys and what you guys have to say about this whole thing. We're going to start things off here with Aiden Foley. Right, Civil War, easily one of the best comic book films ever made. Completely agree. And other than the Avengers, it's the magnum opus of Marvel, uh, the duality between Tony and Steve, the introduction of the new characters, and the brilliant airport scene. I completely agree. I I mean, I, I have no problem saying that I put both Civil War and Winter Soldier in my personal list above Infinity War and Endgame. Like, I, I think it's the first Avengers movie, and then I think the next two best Marvel films are, in whatever order you want them, Civil War and and Winter Soldier. It's just that good because it's so layered, as Rob has pointed out several times here. It's so layered. It's rooted in philosophical uh, quandaries. It's rooted in character dynamics. It's rooted in personal conflicts. It trips the whole idea about motivations by guilt, motivations by duty, the whole thing. And oh my God, can we just say for a second that last moment on the raft as everybody's still in their prison cells and then walking out of the shadows comes Steve Rogers. <laughs> it's like, ah, I mean, it's just, it's just, it's such a great movie. So Aiden, I completely agree with you. One of the best ever made. All right. Aiden also writes that being said, I always found the Steve and Sharon romance stuff uh, fascinatingly odd. You're kissing your love interest niece, Mr. America, you know? Yeah. But same here. It's not his daughter. And they don't know. No, no, that's not his niece. That's not his. Well, he doesn't know that's his niece. Right. Yeah. That's the thing. And even then, it's a niece by marriage. And and he couldn't be it's told. Good. Get but the even, girl to win her soldier. Come even, on. Even if old man Rogers had told, he can't tell him because every he can't interfere with yeah what's to come i mean they can have a relationship but you know yeah i agree all right let's keep going here cj rebirth writes loved they continued showing the friendship wanda has with clint and when scott makes her smile uh i know you too (laughs) i know you too you're great oh yeah listen i get because in we've talked about this before like that's why i really did think there was a chance a good chance that Hawkeye might show up in the WandaVision series because other than Vision, he's the closest one to her, right? 
And so I really did like the fact that it was him who ultimately went to the compound to get her out. Um, they told her she's the one that's got to get off her ass. He's the one who convinced her. And again, I love that thing. I know you too. You're great. Like, that's just, oh, that's such a Paul Rudd thing to say. I loved it. All right. Air Marcellus writes, uh, what the movie did well was the introduction of Black Panther. There were, there were already a lot of characters, but T'Challa was put into the story without overshadowing while still setting up his own movie. It was done, by the way, if you count up the screen time he has prior to the big ending, it's very small. They were able to accomplish so much and get us to know this character and understand what's going on with him in such a short amount of time. But the fact that this movie, Rob, was able to have so many characters and introduce us to two of the most important characters in the MCU, Black Panther and Spider-Man, at the same time, was nothing short of miraculous. What do you think the key to that was? Casting. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I really think that, that the unsung hero of these movies is our casting director and why her name escapes me right now. I, I apologize. But the fact that, you know, it's very hard to give a superhero personality you know it's it's a tough thing to do we saw christopher reeve had it in the original superman the movie chad bozeman from the first moment he's on screen man you feel that guy's a prince oh yeah you yeah. feel that guy and and the relationship he had so much i, I mean you it's not you don't see it very much but my god chad bozeman was perfect in this role i mean from the way he moved to his line readings i i i mean that and how he had this quiet strength about him he was not ostentatious but he was tenacious man that guy was you're not i'm not part of your world he's like i'm i'm here i'm here to to do what i can for my country but f you all I mean, I mean, he could have said we're better than you, but he never did. But he still is like, I'm going to do what I have to do and uh, get out of my way. And I believed it, man. I, I wasn't going to I wouldn't get in, get in his way for for me who doesn't like long movies. I think they the Russos, what they did is they got straight to the point with it, with the point fitting within the story without too much backstory on each character enough for you to be interested in knowing more if there's there is more. But they got straight to the point. What like his father? His father was killed in that accident. He, he wants revenge on the guy that yep. he thinks did it. Real easy and that's quick. it. That's that's and that's it. And they, they also these movies trust the audience to be smart, to get it. They allow that they, they they present you these things and they they never talk down to the audience. They don't have to belabor the points they're trying to make. They expect you to understand <laughs> the relationships that they're creating. I will break that trust. <laughs> I always break that trust, it seems. But thanks for thinking of me. But listen, to, that reminds me of talking about like the you'd fear him. I, the one of the, my favorite lines in the movie. They've been arrested. They're in the transport car together, mm -hmm. and he says. You know, so tell me, Captain Rogers, as a warrior and king, how long do you think you can protect your friend from me? <laughs> or, or, oh, like, that was that line, like I, that's I'm just paraphrasing, but it's like, oh my god, he didn't even the... move, and he just said it behind them. Yeah, Captain Rogers was sitting there, had to take it in the ear. So so good. Okay, <laughs> next up, Ben Rayner. Oh, sorry, uh, where was that? That was. Ourselves. Uh, Xavier Gordy just sends in a super chat to be supportive. Thank you, Xavier. Ben uh, Rayner writes, I just want to thank you guys for the show this morning. Uh, it was a top five episode for me. Uh, I had me laughing from start to finish. Well, thank you for that. You guys have great chemistry. All four of you guys keep up the great work. Bring on the filthy. Well, thank you so much for that, Ben. We yeah, appreciate that. Good job, that. guys. That's 
that's very nice. Well, thank you, Ray. You're part of it, that. too. Yeah, but for the show, it was a really long show. Yeah, it was so, like a three-hour show today, yeah. Good job right. on that. The Sean middle. Miner, thank you again for that, Ben, by the way. Sean Miner writes, uh, who sends in like $20 Super Chat. Thank you, Sean, for supporting us on that level. Civil War is what Falcon and Winter Soldier tried to or wanted to live up to but couldn't get there. I have, a, I have and will always say that Cap was right. Oh, yeah, Cap. I, again, my I propose that even by the end of that movie, even Tony was like, yeah, Cap was right. But it's still, even if you're Team Cap, there are moments and arguments made in the film that you have to take seriously. Yep. The whole idea about we have... We act. We operate as gods. We have. We answer to nobody. We have full autonomy. Do whatever, whenever we want, and we don't have to be accountable to anybody. That's that's something that's got to be addressed. So I I do get that. As far as Falcon the Winter Soldier, yeah. Look, uh, trying to live up to be Civil War, one of the top three or four greatest comic book movies ever made. That's a high bar. It's a high bar. So I, I don't think it ever needs to live up to that. But you're right. It is kind of what they were going for. I do love those characters. All right. Thanks a lot for writing that in, Sean. Xavier Gordy writes, uh, the anticipation for this movie was crazy in 2016. Oh, it absolutely was. Are you kidding me? The whole idea of Civil War, seeing all these heroes fight against each other, it was the wet dream. It was the absolute well, wet dream. Wasn't there a de delay and reshoots too? Like a no, little bit no after? Delay. There wasn't? There was any delay. I don't think so. Okay. One of the things about that, we talk about the airport scene a lot, but it is such an old trope comic book characters the good guys meet and they fight against each other yeah i mean they've done this for for decades in comic books and the fact that they did that here you know they got it they were able to to we believe like there's a reason there's an ideological divide that our characters have they, there's a line in the sand that's drawn you're either team cap or you're team stark and you buy it like i as an audience member i buy this and they fight and and it was such a great because they didn't have to do that if they didn't do it right they could have unbalanced this entire movie but it was done so well and each fight like you said john earlier told the story and then at the end when roadie is shot out of the sky and you have tony stark there tending to him and falcon lands you know, at Tony's, what, I forget what Falcon says, and then Tony just blasts him with a repulsor bolt. Oh, yeah. And I mean, and then and then everybody's like, what have we done? What has happened? It's I thought, poor Falcon, if, if he had, wasn't knocked out, he goes, what the hell, man? I didn't shoot him. You shot him. Right. I just got out of the way. I just didn't let you hit me. All right. Uh, next up. Uh, Sidious Swift writes, Team Cap all the way. I'm with you on that, Sidious, 100%. All right, Ben Donnelly writes, I love this movie. Perfect handling of a moral of moral ambiguity. Uh, probably meant great cast, excellent villain. Airport fight scene still kicks ass. And, you know, even just a great uh, epilogue at the end. You know, with Tony trying to help Rhodey walk again. The great Stan Lee cameo. Tony Stank! Oh, yeah, Tony Stank. This is him. I'm never letting that go. Tony Stank is here. But also a, a, an ending that kind of led directly into Infinity War where Cap sends him the phone and he says, look, like whatever, whatever, whatever. But if you ever need us, you call us. And the very fact that Tony keeps that phone and keeps it on him. I think says so much about 
the bonds that run deeper than than the disagreement, yeah. which really did lead us into where everything was when we started Infinity War. And I thought that was great. I, I love that. Uh, and I have to a shout out too to that battle between the two of them, between Iron Man and Cap. That battle in the it, building at the end. It's. Uh, I mean, again, it, it might not be the biggest battle in the world, but mm -hmm. it's personal. It's so it's satisfying. It's drama and, and narrative. It, absolutely. And it's all earned, and you're there, and, and man, it's vicious. And the choreography or whatever oh, they used in that God. was really cool, too. Just like the little things that they did throughout the fight was was awesome. And even, like, even Bucky's role in the fight, too, and how he eventually loses his arm and... All that kind of stuff, but just also when when Bucky and Cap were teaming up on yes. the way the they beat one on each side of him, and like even the shield was being passed that back was, and forth. That was so great. I, I I keep thinking about the excitement of the just Spider Man being in this thing, right? Yeah. And um, I was just looking up like um, the the year where they actually started, they agreed to be partners with each other, so uh, Marvel could use um the spider-man character i guess that was all the way in 2015 yeah after amazing spider-man 2 i'm just i'm just reading i'm just yeah I just mean, thinking out loud right so now. Much, like it was such a build up and it, it paid off it paid off really really well all right next up oh, we got john uh weiner who writes uh one of five all right here we go <laughs> when i heard you were going to do winter soldier movie club i was like yay but it turns out to be civil war i was like boo oh. i do not like it as much i have problems with the plot uh the whole accord sounds dumb uh, with being the reason for breaking up the Avengers. I don't know if you were paying attention to the movie, if you thought that was that was a major philosophical. Yeah, the, uh, the, that you can't just work around. Anyway, yeah. uh, being the bringing of the Avengers, Zemo was nothing like the comic books. Uh, neither, uh, Z, Zemo is nothing like the comic books, neither the Disney Plus series. I love the airport scene, though. The music and color grading could have been better. Um uh, this film was missing a lot from the comic Civil War. I know this is not the comic, it's the movie, but I couldn't get into it. Uh, this is my least MCU, you probably Ooh. met my least favorite. This is my least favorite MCU movie of all mm. time. Uh, this movie should have called, been called something else like uh, Disassembled. Well, that's a totally different uh, Avengers <laughs> story in the comics. Another thing that bothered me is Tony freaking out after finding after finding out makes no sense to me. Finding out somebody close to you murdered your mother and one of your other friends knew about it. And okay. Uh, I don't see Tony uh, would do that. He, he hesitate at first, then decided to F F it. You die for people freaking out when Quill hitting Thanos. That makes sense to me. Quill, not a smart guy, but for Tony. No. All right, Johnny, I got it. I got to tell you my film love and brother. I disagree with almost everything you said. <laughs> I mean, which which is a beautiful thing. That's one of the great things about movies is that we all have different perceptions of these things. Like you have your perception and the way it hit you. I have my perception, the way it hit me. Let me address a couple of things that you mentioned just with the way I perceive them. First of all, the Accords is not a dumb thing. It is a fundamental understanding about what it is to be your hero and what you can and cannot do. Captain America is everything about personal responsibility and what his duty is. And he's not going to let anybody get in the way of him doing what he believes is right. Whereas on the other side of things, you have this whole notion that what is right is for us to be under supervision, for us to be under accountability. That is what is right, or else the world is going to hate us. And, 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 all that and by the way, it was already proven in Age of Ultron what unchecked the Avengers or what Tony Stark is capable of doing. 
I mean, the Ultron program could have gone a lot worse than it did. The world could have been destroyed. Could have been destroyed. And that's where the the Sokovia Accords come from. I mean, there's got to be accountability. We can't have that happen again. Now, as far as stuff like Tony wouldn't have done that, um, have you found out somebody murdered your mom? I Listen, but see, I agree with you when it comes to the Star-Lord comparison. This is why I've, I've always argued, like, it was so stupid that Star-Lord did that. I'm like, no, 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 it's not. It's not that dumb. And I've always said, because I also compare it to the Tony situation, is that, listen, when you find out something like that, he just thought the love of his life right there on that spot. He thought she was alive five seconds ago, and now he's found out she's dead, and he's the one who killed her. Your your rational train of thought goes out the window. It doesn't matter how smart you are. The emotional part of your brain is going to kick in. You're going to do something or say something emotional. All of us do it under much less stress. And Tony, yeah, if you sit down calmly and think about it, well, you know, um, poor Bucky over there, he was brainwashed. He wasn't really in control of what he was doing. Yeah, if you ask Tony that next week, that's probably how he'd think about it. He just watched his mother be choked to death. And he's standing in a room with the guy who did it. I, and, I don't care. I, that's that's and in terms of response. multiple levels, Winter Soldier himself has been victimized for decades. Yes. Turned into a mindless assassin, taken out of cold storage every couple of years to pull a job and then thrown back in cold storage. I mean, what? that's almost a fate worse than death. So that's another thing about this movie is Winter Soldier is entirely sympathetic. All right, let's keep going on here. But hey, man, again, once again, Johnny. Can I bring up a point for him? Yep. For me, too, beginning of the Civil War, when I saw the sides, I was like, yeah, in in my dream world, it would have been a bigger scale like we saw in Endgame. But MCU wasn't there at the moment. So so they used what they had in their uh, arsenal, and it was perfect. And they even got an extra guy, two extra guys. Two extra guys. Black Panther and Spider-Man. So they did what... um, the impossible they put their roster against each other which you never see in anything <laughs> by the way a couple people bring up a good point in the live chat it's like hey listen if you had asked will smith a week after the oscars if you if you went one week in the future and said will smith hey will smith at the oscars chris ross gonna make this joke should you walk up on stage and smack him Chris, uh, Will Smith a week from now will go, well, no, that's that's not the right thing to do. That's not how we handle ourselves. It's going to ruin my image. No, 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 no. But in the moment, yeah, uh, it, it doesn't excuse him. I'm just saying in the moment, he acted a little bit differently. Anyway, all right, let's keep going on here. Thanks for writing that stuff in, Johnny. Before Appreciate the show, you would have smacked him. <laughs> all right, Ben Donnelly writes, if you don't approve of all this, the accords, yes. The politics, not really. Uh, two people in a room can get more done than a hundred. That, of course, is one of the first lines we hear from T'Challa in the movie. Two people in a room can accomplish more than a hundred. That's such a great line. One of his best lines. I mean, other than, you know, what he says at the end of Black Panther. Like, what is it? The the courageous. Oh, I don't remember. Uh, the exact exact cross line. barriers, the foolish build walls or something like that. Right. Which was obviously also at the time a very political statement. But still, I think that line that you just quoted there was. Well, that's why it's funny lines. to me, because there's a lot of fans who are always like, I don't like politics in my in my films. This movie's entirely like Winter Soldier. It's entirely about politics. It's just not about our politics in the real world. It's about politics in general. And his father runs a whole 
kingdom or country or whatever. <laughs> right. Of course, there's always going to be politics when you're in 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 leading. Well, a even bunch the of Sokovia Accords is political. political yeah. You know, I mean. But Coppola, you know, once said, "All film is political." Right. All film is political. I mean, so I mean, there's definitely a part of that. All right. Uh, let's see. Thanks for that, Ben. I love that quote. Orange Hand writes, you said multiple times uh, during the pandemic that you don't fault governments for taking steps to protect their people. So how is it wrong and foolish, your words, uh, for governments to support something uh, they believe is in the best interests of their people? Was King T'Chaka supposed to be okay with superpowered vigilantes getting his people killed? No, I listen, I get it. I get why the governments... Like, listen, don't misunderstand me saying that I am Team Cap with believing that the governments were wrong to think that some oversight might be needed. I think there are valid arguments on both sides. And if you're, especially like, you're Lagos. The Avengers came here and blew up a building and a whole bunch of our people died. I mean, there's a difference between saying, I agree, like saying you agree with somebody's not saying you disagree with somebody else. Right. Like, if, if, in the whole debate about Team Cap or Team Team Steve, like or uh, Team uh, Tony or Team Steve, I am Team Steve. I mean, obviously, the, but there's no real. This is the funny thing when people try to take the comic book movie stuff and translate it into a real world paradigm. There are no super powered beings in our real world. I don't know if you knew this, but there are no actual super powered beings. In our universe, there is no real Avengers. So there's no direct correlation between a real world example versus what's going on in the movie. In the movie, where you do have these superpowered godlike beings, uh, one of which being Captain America, then yeah, I am team him. That that doesn't mean I completely believe that every single shred of argument, because you've heard me say many times during this stream that hey, you can't just act with complete autonomy and whatever I say goes and we're gods and we don't have to respect any authority. We have no accountability. Like there are definite pro arguments to be made on that. So I don't, in the in a fictional sense, I don't mind the idea that the governments of the world felt like we need to do something to reel this in. It's, but from Cap's point of view, I'm totally team Cap. It, it, it's the same dilemma that we were faced with with our last movie club meeting, Man of Steel, right? Wasn't it Man of Steel? No, aliens was our oh, aliens. but man was still before that. Yeah. Where they're like, "What? Well, how are we sure you won't turn around and destroy us?" Right, exactly. That's really what the government is as worried about here. They need to know what's going on, you know, so they can protect themselves. I mean, well, and the they've people. already seen the results of what what happens when Tony Stark's technology runs amok. Uh, there, there's got to be some kind of oversight. And if there isn't, then how, how can a government ever feel protected when superpowered beings can walk in and either topple your government, take out your command and control, destroy your infrastructure? How do you believe anybody? Where's the trust? Sign on a dotted line. All right. Next up, we get one from Shelby who writes, I think Sam saying, how long are you going to play both sides to Rhodey kind of gets ignored but really foreshadows Sam's arc slash internal struggle in Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Mm. I think there's definitely truth to that. Yeah. I think one of the things, I'm, I'm not the biggest fan of Falcon and the Winter Soldier, although I do like it. But one of the big things about it is it follows Sam's character's 
development and arc through to its logical conclusion. Damn. He had the struggles he had to have. He had to ask the questions that that character would ask. And I think that's a great observation, Shelby, that it goes all the way back to lines like that in there. What do you think? I No, I totally agree. I mean, look, Falcon and Winter Soldier also, in terms of getting political, and it also went back to a great Marvel Comics series, you know, Falcon is is asked very pointedly, if you're going to if you're gonna become... Uh, if you're going to become the new Captain America, you're a black man. Do you think even now in this future, will they accept you? Will they accept you as Captain America? And you have a, another black soldier who was wronged by the U.S. government who's asking him this question. And Sam steps up to the plate and says, you know what? It doesn't matter. I can step up. That the whole the whole show was about Sam Wilson finally accepting that he can accept the mantle of Captain America, regardless of what his own fellow countrymen will think, because Captain America, that representation, what Steve Rogers would do, what he's accepting the mantle of, makes him above politics, right where Captain America was in Civil War. It's like, you know what? I have to do this because it is the right thing to do, and only I can do it. And that's the legacy of Captain America, and that's why I loved the Falcon and Winter Soldier series. Was it entirely successful? No, but I like the message of it. I like the fact that our Captain America now is not a super soldier, but he has the courage and he has the heart to be Captain America. Uh, Shelby just blew my mind with that. It's crazy. Like um, the shared universe, <clears throat> that's what something that's beneficial to it is sometimes things that happened in previous movies, they, they have a different, you have a different perspective of, yep. Yep. Certain things. Yep. That's one of the big, big advantages to that. All right. Thanks for writing that in, Shelby. All right. Ben Olette writes, I feel that Civil War is one of the best stories in the MCU, as well as best directed. I remember seeing it Thursday night at the two and the two and a half hours flew by. I am. It is a movie that completely flies by. Flies by. Even I remember last night I sat down and was out. She hadn't gotten home yet. So I decided to pop on Civil War again because I knew I wasn't going to have time to watch it this afternoon. And I realized, like, I'm watching, watching, watching. Then I look up, and it's like, oh, my God, two hours have already gone by. Yeah. What? There's oh. only a half hour left in the movie. Like, I cannot believe how fast that movie flies. This movie is compulsively rewatchable. You know, I say that that uh, The Social Network is one of my favorite rewatchable movies. Yes. This is up there. I agree. Completely agree. We were almost late for Moon Knight because of this movie. <laughs> Actually, we are. We are we're... probably going to be late for Moon oh, No, no, no. no last, last night. night. Yeah. Because I was like. Isn't Moon Knight on already? But we just kept watching it because it was towards the end and everything yeah, well, was so good. Also, we looked at our watch. It was like, oh, my gosh, it's already five after midnight. We got to put on Moon Knight. Uh, by the way, guys, speaking of Moon Knight, we do have, for those of you guys watching, tuned in here at the John Gamby YouTube Network, uh, we have our Moon Knight uh, after show, our open spoiler discussion. We were originally going to do it at 4. We're going to clearly have to push that to 4.30 because okay. uh, this is running a little bit long. But uh, so our uh, let them oh. spread the word. Our Moon Knight is going to be pushed from four to four thirty because you know we don't want to be late for you that. You guys Reasons. are you guys are Iron Men. Yeah, look at this. <laughs> look at this day, man. Iron people. <laughs> it's been a long Iron people. Iron people. It's been a long day already, but we have more to go. All right. Next up is Daryl Best Wadley who writes. Uh, the only reason the big hero brawl happened is because Tony didn't want the military to kill Cap. It's actually kind of nice. I mean, no, and that's, I think that's a great thing that shouldn't be overlooked, Daryl. It's like, Tony, while maybe he was motivated by guilt and maybe he would, but whatever, at the end of the day, he was like, no, 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 let us go after him because he just wanted to bring him in peacefully, all that kind of stuff. He also knew it's like, 
who are you going to send after Cap? There's a lot of people going about to die or get yeah, hurt. Like, <laughs> or at least get hurt. Like, who are you going to send after Wanda Maximoff, uh, uh, Falcon, Captain America, Hawkeye? Like, like who are you going to send after? There's not it's enough. Not end well. There's not enough plaster for all those broken bones, at least. Because <laughs> no one's going to die, for sure. Unless Scarlet Witch does something accidental. But there'll be a lot of broken bones. Lots of broken bones. Well, and what's interesting is one of the things I really like about what we're going to get, hopefully, in Doctor Strange is, you know, Scarlet Witch's grief starts, you know, in this film. You you see the the how, how she is grieving. That's why Vision is looking after her. And it continues on. These threads continue throughout the, the MCU. That's why I'm hoping that... I don't think Doctor Strange is going to be like this film, but I hope to see an examination of Wanda's guilt that continues on what we what we saw in WandaVision. You know, that we're going to get that kind of resonance, emotional resonance. All right. Here's the next one. Chase Olivius, who sends in like a $20 super chat. Thank you so much for that, Chase. By the way, I love this quote. Even if everyone is telling you that something wrong is something right, even if the whole world is telling you to move, it is your duty to plant yourself like a tree. Look them in the eye and say, no, you move. I love that line. It's a great quote. Love that quote. That one is, there's, there's, that's the other thing. This movie is so freaking quotable. There's so many great moments like that. Was I sleeping there. through this part? Who said that? That was, that was at the funeral, was it not? Was I that not Sharon Carter at the funeral? Oh, okay. Okay. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I okay. think. Yeah. I think it was. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong in the live chat, but I think that was was read at the funeral. Because I think that I want to say that was from a comic book. That's actually from a was it was the, I think the it, origins of that line from the, a comic. Yeah. Book? Yeah. I think that's from. I, I the way I, when I heard that I, I I keep remembering that from an actual comic book. Nonetheless, itself. it was a, it. That's a great great quote. Yeah, I love that quote. All right. Uh, next up, we've got Shelby who writes uh, all that effort uh, just to see it fail. Did it? <laughs> Of course, the, the Nemo thing at the end. Nemo. I, 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 uh, that, but that's Zemo. the thing that, yeah, that's, but I did like that because look, I don't think necessarily Zemo had his plan allowed for all he wanted to do was so unrest, cause, cause a fracture in the group. How, how far he would get, how much that happened, I don't think he really knew. He had a plan, he executed on it, and it probably, if you asked him, if you could say, Zemo, how did you feel about it? I think he probably would have said, eh, it worked better than I thought. That's still my problem, though, because the, the, with or without the Lagos incident, the Sokovia Accords were coming. Sure. Cap wasn't going to sign them. And at some point, an event was going to happen where that was going to pit Cap working outside of the system, whatever. And yeah. Like, so that's why I still kind of go, I just, well, Zemo is an incredible character. And that's, he was probably my favorite part of Falcon and the Winter Soldier. I love that character, like, especially his dance number. But I mean, I, I don't know. I just see like his whole plan was kind. Of, yeah, <laughs> his whole plan was kind of. <laughs> a, a, what's the word? Redundant. His plan was redundant because it was that was something that was already in motion anyway. Right. You know. But still, I do love the character again. When, when I find that, when but I did found he out, know that? Did he know that? Like, he's not a part of the government though, so he might not have known. It's just been a coincidence, right? Well, listen, if he knew all those other government <laughs> secrets, he had to have known that's coming like that. Come on, I'm just trying to cut him a break. And, and if, look, if this didn't happen in this movie, he would have had another plan that he would have formulated and gone after them yeah. in the future. He would Probably have figured some something out. All right, let's keep going. He was here. committed. Uh Ben Donnelly writes. 
Uh, one of my favorite things was how Steve and Tony's argument came from their character arcs, namely Steve's growing disillusionment with authority and Tony's ongoing efforts to make things right. Yeah, it was kind of steeped in his guilt because, listen, Captain America in Captain America the First Avenger, he would have been, yes, sir, we're soldiers. Here, do my duty, sir. You give me my marching orders. That's what I'll do, sir. But his sense of duty is only overridden by his sense of right and wrong. And as we get through Captain America, the first Avenger, and then through Winter Soldier. And look what happens in that. That's, oh, it, that's totally where his distrust the comes The greatest from. betrayal ever of Captain America, a guy that is first through the door, you know, throw himself on a hand grenade and finds out he, he awakens in the future and the power structure that he's been given completely betrays him and resurrects the very evil he was fighting in the 40s. Yeah, he ain't ever going to trust the government. Ever. Like, ever. Like not with not with the whole make decision making of what's right and wrong, he's never going to do it. From Tony's point of view, he has seen firsthand what happens when he's unchecked. So you totally get. So you're absolutely right. Their positions come from their character arcs in the story up to this point. It's a great observation, man. All right. Next up, uh, we've got Chase Olivas who writes Team Cap all the way. I'm personally with you on that, Chase. Um, Daryl Best Wadley writes. Uh, even though it's Cap's movie, this really should have been the third Avengers movie. Also, was Cap going easy on Spider-Man or did he get the drop on him? Oh, he was totally going easy on Spider-Man. He was totally going easy on Spider-Man. Because if he was really if he's trying to hurt Spider-Man, then once he dropped the thing where he had to sit there and hold it up, all he had to do was give him a crotch shot or give him a punch in the face there right. and like really hurt him. Crotch yeah. shot. I mean, hey, come on, like the dirtiest, <laughs> the dirtiest player in the game, <laughs> Captain America. <laughs> Woo! Come on. Dirty. Dirtiest the player heel in the turn. Game. Um, but, and as far as I, I am, t I, I've heard all the arguments before about, you know, this is Avengers 2.5 and blah, blah. Here's always been my argument. Every movie has tons of characters in it. They're not just necessarily characters that you're familiar with, right? There's always a lot of characters. It's just that in this one, we recognize all the names. We know Hawkeye, and we know Vision, and we know all that kind of stuff. This, to me, this movie is definitively a Captain America movie. Yeah, absolutely. We, we followed his perspective most exactly. of the time. Exactly. It, it, it follows him, and, and yes, all the supporting characters in it are definitely faces we know and recognize. But when you look at the Avengers, like the, the first Avengers movie, right? That is an absolute balance of story across mm -hmm. all of those main six characters. Yeah. Right? It was every bit as much Thor's movie as it was Tony's movie, as it was Black Widow's movie. But this was definitively a story about Steve Rogers and the decisions he makes. And uh, that's why I'm kind of comfortable with that myself. All right. Let's keep going on here. A. Marcellus writes, uh, Henry Jackman is a great composer, but I liked his work on Winter Soldier much better. The theme he used for the airport battle fell flat for me. I'll be honest with you. I'm, I'm so enraptured by the airport battle, I don't even notice the music. But I agree and with Sometimes him. that's the best thing about music is to not notice it. Yeah, I, I mean, if, if, I could, if I could fault any of, any of the Marvel movies... I wish their their scores were better sometimes. Like I loved Alan Silvestri's score for uh, Endgame, but like the the portals theme is great. But there's no none of it's memorable. No, where's why don't these characters all have a musical theme that we can whistle? The only one is Winter Soldier. He's right. There's that main theme where the boat scene in the beginning, where it's like dun 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 or whatever. Like that that that's the only song that runs through my head like throughout all of them. 
all the MCUs. It's the one thing that I always thought, look, the MCU has obviously done it better than the DCU so far in general. But the one thing I always thought the DCU did better is actually their musical scores. I've always found that their scores in their movies to be like top, top notch. Sometimes MCU does really great. Sometimes not so much. It's our friend Cliff Stevenson. But I can't answer it. Cliff, you should be watching our show right He's now. He's probably watching his show right now and he wants to comment. He wants to yell at me for saying something dumb. All right. Let's keep going here. Next up, uh, Daryl Best Wadley writes, Peggy is really the reason Cap was indifferent on the Accords. Uh, after her funeral, he realized he couldn't budge on the matter. I don't know that I agree with that. I, I mean, obviously, hearing Sharon give that line, like even when they're telling you to move, you say, no, you move. I, I'm sure that definitely deepened his conviction. Right. But you got to remember, he already parted with the Avengers before the funeral. Yep. Like he or he was already making his argument in the meetings. We can't do this. I'm this looking to see right. if Cliff, by the way, sent us sent me a message. Too. Oh, did he send you text? Uh, right, you he did up. not. All right. So, I mean, I did it. Maybe it might have deepened his conviction, but it looked pretty clear to me even before he got that text message saying that Peggy had died, that he had already planted his flag. Yes. He already knew his his position. Uh, uh, no one could deny the impact of Peggy on sure. Steve. Her impact has been with him throughout all his appearances in every movie. All right. Next up, we got Movies Matter just sends in a super chat to be supportive. Thank you, Movies Matter. Chase Olivas writes, "Uh, if Thor wasn't busy with Ragnarok at the time, I can totally see Thor telling the general to kick his Asgardian ass. Yeah, (laughs) I love that because there's a scene in it, and I've thought about this, where, where Tony is talking to uh, Scarlett Johansson. He's talking to, to Widow, right? And he says, sure, any any line on where Banner is? And she says to him, do you really think he'd be on our side? <laughs> and obviously, Thor, god of thunder oh, of Asgard, yeah. is not going to go, oh, yes, Earthman, you tell me what to do. That wasn't going to happen. So if Thor and Hulk had been on Earth, they totally would have been on the cap side and that would have ended this I, movie pretty quick. Yeah. I, I completely forgot about those two. I mean, imagine if they were in there. I said they had their full arsenal on them. Those two are pretty big uh, uh, cornerstone pieces, but it would have made it very hard to... Uh, yeah, how do you yeah. do that? By the way, Ray, I wanted to comment on something you said. The thing about Peggy Carter is Peggy Carter represented to cap the life he never had yes you know and and the the fact that there was this passage of time he was denied the one love of his life and all he had left really was what he believed in and his conviction i think and losing her you know when she's gone um he didn't have that because his love for her and she loved him i mean can you imagine talk about star-crossed lovers they're literally time and space Mm. crossed lovers when they should have been together and they're not and when 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 captain america loses her all he has left is his belief in the in in what is right and what is wrong but it it leads to another great line in the movie because you're talking about like thor and and hulk not being there when ross says to cab he goes by the way where is uh thor and banner i tell you what if I lost a couple of megaton nukes and didn't know where they were, there'd be questions. Right? Like, so one of the, and he's right. I mean, I think he's yeah. absolutely Those right. Who are the powerhouses yep. of that whole universe? All right. Uh, next up, we got uh, Abe Ten Alpha writes. This movie reminds me so much of Halo. Well, I don't play Halo, so I wouldn't know. Does this movie remind you of the Halo games, right? It's, 
the games or is he talking about the series right now? I, I have no idea, but I'm I guessing he's I don't see anything right now. But it could be a, 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 the four the the two oh the two opposite of uh, opposing views. Mm. How I, I I don't want to get into, but yeah, yeah, I, I could kind of see where he gets. All right, next up. We got Remmer Bulldog who writes, Captain America Civil War is, in my opinion, is the greatest comic book movie of all time. I think there's a lot of people that think that too. Uh, and it also has the action sequence in the airport battle in any comic book movie of all time. This movie is a masterpiece. I mean, I I personally still think the original Avengers movie is the greatest comic book movie of all time, but I've got Civil War top three, top four. I mean, I, I just think it's that good. The And even if you, t- here's the thing, even if you take out the airport scene, it's still a top five greatest comic book movie of all time without the airport scene. Like, that's just how good this movie is. And the, Rob, you were bringing up just the drama that plays out in that final fight, the emotion that's poured into that. And then even ultimately, once Steve beats him, and and you think for a second, I mean, as an I was, I thought for a second he was... I didn't think kill Tony, but I thought he was going to injure him bad. And instead he doesn't. And he just leaves him there. And also so dramatic when he says that shield doesn't belong to you. And like, whatever. So he, fine. He leaves the shield behind. Like there's so much. And the, the hurt in Steve, in Tony's face too. Like Tony feels betrayed and he's been hurt. And Steve is like, I mean, it's just so fucking good. It's so good, this movie. It's crazy. It makes my head want to explode. Anyway. <laughs> All right. Uh, and by the way, Remmer sent in like $20 Super Chat to support our channel. Thank you, Remmer. Appreciate that, man, very much. All right. Abraham Ruiz writes, uh, There are very few times uh, my jaw literally drops from something happening in a movie, and Scott Going Giant was one of them just so good. That was cited. By the way, Scott Going to Giant Man enlisted in another one of the great lines in the movie. Tony. Does anybody else have any spectacular hidden superpower that they haven't revealed yet or something along those lines? Because obviously Giant Man just did his thing. That was awesome. Yeah, it was awesome. And a couple of cool things. It, it gave the opportunity for a couple of cool things. One, we got to get a sense of just how powerful Vision is because Vision just gives him a big gut shot and boom, like it, it knocks him right back and all that kind of stuff. And then when he flies through Giant Man's like, something just flew into me. I mean, that was great. And then, of course, another one of the great lines where Peter goes, anybody watch that really old, old movie, yeah. Empire Strikes Back? And then Rhodey goes, damn, Tony, where'd you get this? Kid? How young is this kid? You don't realize how much dialogue is in the Marvel fighting. Yes. Like it's a, they, they had a little joke like with uh, Anthony Mackie said to uh, Tom, I don't know if you've ever been in a fight before. But there usually ain't this much talking. Except in the right? MCU. But yet, <laughs> the whole fight is revolved around these funny conversations. But yeah, but the thing is, you know, people have also criticized the MCU for that. But I like you know, it. Uh, that's, it, 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 it makes it more real. The characters are, are in fits. character. Yeah. It totally fits. Totally fits. All right. Next up. Sidious Swift writes, the foot chase scene was so cool, man. If you're talking about the scene through the traffic in the oh, underground dude. tunnel, that looked awesome. By the way. They utilize technology that they got from Twilight. Twilight utilized a technique of making it look like they're vampires, the actual actors running, to make it appear like they're running super fast. What they actually did in Twilight was they laid down basically a giant treadmill, like moving that moves, like an escalator, like in an airport where it moves. So it's actually moving 
and the actors are running along on it, so it makes it look like they're running super fast. They borrowed some of that technique to use in that thing, and it looked awesome. Keep Twilight away from my Civil War. <laughs> I'm just saying. I'm just saying. <laughs> they borrowed a little. They got a little bit you of know, it's such, Twilight it's on It's such that. a cool scene. That, it's, scene. Like, it's like what? What? At most a minute? Maybe but a yet, little bit longer. Maybe two. Yeah, but, but just think of that time span of the whole movie, and they worked so on the intricate details of everything even like the the way he threw the suv or the scratch the scratches black panther i i they just go all out on those scenes in this movie all right next up we got remmer bulldog writes in again he writes there's so many great action sequences people forget about the freeway chase scene which we were just talking about between captain america black panther and bucky and falcon it you know it's truly a great set piece it's just awesome by the way one of the coolest shots Bucky's the first one to get out of the tunnel, sees the guy in a motorcycle, grabs the motorcycle, yeah, gets the guy it. It, flips it around as he jumps in the air, spins the air, and lands on it Dude, full speed. It's awesome. Awesome. And even before that, when the SWAT first ju- gets into the apartment building, he blocks the bullets with his hand yeah. like this, and he's still charging towards the guy. The apartment, that, yeah, that apartment action. Yeah, that, that's the best action scene. And like, like Cap the whole time through it. Come on, man. Really? You're going to kill somebody. Yeah. Like, they're not going to kill anybody. But then he does something. Cap's got to catch a guy from going over. Yeah, right. And he just looks at Bucky. He's like, dude. It's, like, <laughs> it's just, oh, God, I just love it so much. All right. Uh, Abraham Ruiz writes, I also remember not eating my popcorn through the movie, not because I didn't want it, but because I was just so glued to the screen. Uh, the last fight between Cap and Bucky versus Iron Man still breaks my heart. That's the thing. It's a fabulous action sequence, but it's breaking your heart. You feel so emotionally attached. Like, no, guys, don't fight. <laughs> like, and you get where each of them are coming from. Like, Iron Man feels completely betrayed. Meanwhile, they're like, Cap is protecting his best friend, who's not his fault that he did what he did. But don't try to explain that to Iron Man when he just found out the dude choked his mom. And the worst thing is you could tell that they, they care about each other, too. Yes. But yet they're doing this because of whatever it is and it breaks my heart too that you didn't even touch your popcorn because <laughs> i would have touched it that's a sad pl- play some sad violin music for the popcorn that went to waste all right let's keep going here next up we have remembered bulldog who writes uh, this movie also introduced black panther and spider-man and they both got their moments in this movie no it it, it tremendously we've already covered this but it, it tremendously introduced both of them yep. in such a great way that once we got to their individual movies the films were able to just dive right in that you notice that like once you get into Spider-Man Homecoming, you that movie you're able to just dive right in because we've already met the character. With Black Panther, we can go right to him on the the Wakandan airship, going to you know take out those uh, human traffickers and blah, and you could just dive right in because we've already met him and they was just done so well. All right, remember also writes. Uh, the Bucky and Cap versus Iron Man at the end of the movie was such a great was such a great fight and so emotional. It was a great follow up to the airport battle. It's true because you think how can you top that airport sequence? Because it's it, I think the greatest action sequence ever. Because every move in action was was drenched in narrative. Then you give us something that is even more emotional than exciting. Like uh, that was a great palate clench it's, it was a totally different course of the meal there was a totally different kind of action sequence that delivered a totally different experience and because you'd think well you you got a climax with the big fight you got a climax with all the avengers fighting each other no the more emotionally satisfying one is just these three yep the and more intimate 
tall order, man. I don't know how you pull that off. Because if I'm looking at it on, on a screenplay, I'm like, I don't know, man. Maybe the big fight should happen at the end. But they knew better. They knew what they were going for, and it was perfect. Yep. And it worked. Oh, worked so well. All right. Next up. Uh, let's see. Remmer also again writes, I wasn't a big MCU fan until I saw the airport battle, and that's when I became a huge MCU fan. Listen, I was already an MCU fan at that point, but it's there's so much relevance in that scene because it's at that moment that you realize this isn't just action for action's sake. This isn't just some shaky cam and rapid camera movements and bow, pow, bam, boom, whatever. Every moment of that fight is connected to character development and narrative and story. And every interaction has a story to tell of its own. And at that moment, you become a deeper MCU fan, I think. Yeah, I completely The only thing this movie was missing was at the end in the raft, the prison, was Sentry sitting in one of those cells. (laughs) Sitting in one of those cells, you know what I mean? No cell there could hold Sentry. Do you think that we're ever going to see Sentry in the MCU, guys? Oh, let's hold that conversation for another. Oh, absolutely. I I love that character. they got to be careful, because one of the the things the MCU is in danger of right now is making all their characters too powerful. Right. Like, everybody is God-level powerful. Like, oh, here comes Captain Marvel. She's the most powerful. Oh, wait, there's one. She's the most powerful. Oh, Doctor Strange, the I, the master of the Mystic Arts. He's the most powerful. It's not really the most powerful, but how he's just batshit crazy. Like, he's like a schizophrenic, right? The, the, he's got issues. Yeah, he's yeah. Got Sentry, he's and got he's issues. fighting himself, too. And, and he doesn't... out even yeah. taking... Not Void. Is it Void? Void. Void yeah. is the more that's powerful him. without taking consideration the whole issue he's got with Void and everything like that. Yeah. There's some deep, deep stuff. <laughs> they'll, they'll get to Sentry at some point. All right. Uh, next up, we got Sidious Swift who writes, I have to give credit to acting, writing, and direction in this film because by the end, I was really annoyed by Tony Vision Rhodes. <laughs> well done. I mean, I think that's, I think this movie did its job well if depending on which side of the Team Cap, Team Iron Man side you're on, if at the end of the movie, you are thoroughly entertained and a little bit annoyed with the characters on the other side. If you were Team Iron Man in this, it speaks a lot to how great this movie is if you end up being a little bit annoyed by Wanda and a little bit annoyed by Falcon and, and Cap and stuff like that. I like, agree with absolutely- Vision. I agree with him in Vision. That's the only character that annoyed me in this film. Poor Vision. <laughs> All he wanted to do the whole thing was just protect Wanda. That's right. Like, even if he had to go against her wishes, he wanted to protect her. Little did he know. Be less to him. That's not his, it's not his place to make decisions for her. She will smack you down. All right. Uh, then, oh, we just have some some super chats to be supportive from uh, Moto Awesome, Donald Thomas, and the Jughead One all sending super chat badges just to be supportive. And guys, that'll do it for this meeting of Movie Club. I don't have a mallet here, but there I, I adjourn this meeting of Movie Club. Thank you guys so much for being here and joining us. Uh, don't forget. Starting next week, we have three straight uh, meetings of Movie Club, all on the Lord of the Rings trilogy. Starting with Ray is crying because he knows these are long films. Have you seen them? Yes, I have. I don't remember them. Okay. So it'll be good to go back to them. Oh, I got to give me a great excuse to watch them again. We're going to start, obviously, with Fellowship of the Ring, followed by Two Towers. We may then postpone the following one till the following week because we've got CinemaCon coming up or we might pre-record we might pre-record it but either way we're going to have three weeks 
of Lord of the Rings, the original Lord of the Rings trilogy by Peter Jackson. Make sure you guys get brushed up, go back, start rewatching them, and get ready for that for Movie Club. Uh, obviously, I want to thank Mr. Robert Meyer Burnett for being here. Robert, where can people <laughs> follow you online? Uh, John, you can find me on Twitter at Burnett RM. Find me on Instagram at RM Burnett. Find me on my YouTube channel, The Post Geek Singularity, or go to the Post Geek Singularity or just postgeeksingularity.com if you want to send me a letter. And of course, Ray Aura. Ray, where can people find you getting ready to watch Lord of the Rings? You know that's like 10 hours, right? Like three? Yeah, longer yeah, than three, that. Something. Probably All like right. 10. Uh, just find me probably sleeping. Ray Aura with a zero. By the way, Mike Media just joined, uh, became a channel member in the in the live chat there. Thank you, Mike Media, for being, and thank you to all you guys who are channel members here, by the way. Anyway, guys, you can follow me on Instagram and on Twitter, simply at John Campia. That'll do it for us for now, guys. Uh, by the way, a, a programming update, we're going to bump, I need a little bit of a break. So we're going to bump the start time for Moon Knight, episode three, open spoiler discussion to 4.45. So about... Uh, 40 minutes from now, about 40 mm. minutes from now, we'll start that one up. So if you guys have watched Moon Knight, if you haven't, you got 40 minutes to go and get caught up on it, then come on back and join us. We're going to do our Moon Knight open sport discussion 40 minutes. But for now, that'll do it for us here on Movie Club. Thanks for being here, guys. My name's John Campy. Until next time, bye-bye. <laughs>